The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I told you, ah, there we go. There we go, right on, right on. Yeah, we had a, we had a sound check and everything beforehand, but I tell you, like I said, I will mess everything up. Everybody doing all right this morning? By the way, Jimmy loves me and I love Jimmy. You have an amazing leader here at this church um, and one of the one of the one of the good guys, you know what I mean? Like one of the guys that really wants to do things right in the right way, the way God really wants church to be done, and the way he way he disciples people and leads people in. Guys, you are blessed to have uh, you know, have your have your guy on the horse uh, like like Jimmy. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, uh, as Jimmy said, my name is Casey. I am uh, one of the one of the guys serving at New City Church. Uh, my buddy Matt Miller was here last year uh, for What If the Church, and if you haven't, uh, if you if you were the, were here at that time, you were blessed to have Matt uh, uh, join you as well. Jimmy's at my church uh, in uh, in Edgerton, Kansas. Edgerton is a town of anybody know where Edgerton is, by the way. Anybody heard? Okay, all right. Well, it's getting more and more popular. We got got some uh, got the intermodal that just moved in and uh, and that kind of thing. Got some. Uh, UPS is now there, uh, Amazon's now there, different kind of companies are moving in, and it's a 1,600-person town, and, and it's a little different than what we've got here, because here is kind of a metropolitan, you got all kinds of things going on. At the church Jimmy's speaking at this morning, my church, my home church, there are cows across the street, right? I mean, it's really, it's kind of a neat thing, so it's, they're all like, hey, eat more chicken, you know, um, that kind of thing, but it's really kind of a, kind of a neat thing, and so we're in this series called What If the Church, and what if the church blessed the neighborhood, and we're talking about what does it look like for us to be neighbors, if you will, to the rest of the world around us, no matter where we are. And so there's this acronym, you can start filling out in your blanks if you like, there's an acronym called BLESS, and it starts off, begin with prayer. A couple of weeks ago, Jimmy um, preached on this subject here, and I love what he said. Here's like, like I, I listened to that message. I'm like, dude, that guy has got some freaking wisdom. I mean, he is awesome, man. Because I was like, like, like he, what he said was, and I'd never thought about this. What he said, somebody had asked if God had, or if God knows everything, why do we pray? And I, you know, always, always struggled to answer that. I said, well, you know, you need to pray to develop a relationship and that kind of thing with God. But, but what he said was, blew, like it blew my mind. He said, because God knows everything and we don't. Hey, I mean, that, what a great answer. That's why we pray, man. We go into it because he's got all the answers and we don't in and of ourselves. Last week, you heard Jeff talk about this whole idea of listen and what it means to listen and engage, right? And so Jeff talks about, um, and, and I love what he said too, that, that God wants you, Jesus wants you to be more than what you are. Like, and, and, and it makes sense all throughout Scripture, if you watch what Jesus did with people, he listened and engaged. And I think of the woman at the well who nobody wanted to see, and, and yet he, ha- he hung with her, com- like, like, co- like called out her sin, but did it in such a way where she was so excited, and so like she went and told everybody about him, but he listened to her, engaged her, and didn't, didn't, didn't like succumb to the cultural norms of not speaking to a, a Samaritan woman. And this week, I get to, like, I think this is probably the most fun one that I get to preach about, and it's called eat. Eat with people. Amen? Hallelujah, right? Eat with people. Like, we, like I'll talk about that today. Next week, you're going to have, uh, well, you got a little bit of a, little bit of a, a glimpse of next week's message next. Well, by the way, Corey, awesome. Where are you at, Corey? You at, you at, dude, beautiful. You got the voice of an angel, bro. I'm telling you, you're great. 
Hey, chord changes. I don't, I don't notice that kind of stuff. People talk about chords and all that kind of thing. And it's like I'm back there trying to go. I don't even know what they're saying. It's like a foreign language to me when guys start talking about, um, about uh, music and things. But we're going to hear about serve next week. Serve other people, right? And then tell your story. Finally, tell your story with people. This is a great way. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve other people, and then tell your story. So many times we want to just start telling people about our testimony right off the bat, right? And so I'm going to do that right off the bat. My testimony. A little bit different uh, than, most, than a lot of uh, preachers and pastors, if you will. I didn't grow up in the church. I uh, didn't know Jesus really at all. My grandmother knew Jesus, and she was a Bible-thumping Jesus freak, and I loved her. She passed away when I was about 12 and, uh, but after that, we, I didn't have any exposure to the church, exposure to Jesus, very minimally. Uh, see, I, I am blown away by especially youth that uh, go to church without their parents because I never even knew there was such thing as a youth group growing up, right? I mean, I just, did, just didn't do it. And so growing up, going to college, that kind of thing, I went to college and flunked out my first year. have no idea why. It could have been that I partied too much, right? So that flunked out. Actually I, actually, I did okay the first year. Second year, I, um, I, I, I did flunk out. Just started hanging around with the wrong people, that kind of thing, doing the wrong things, um, all those kinds of things. And so when I uh, got into college, though, I, me and a group of uh, really thugs would go around to the, there were several churches that were on campus, and we'd go pick on the Christians. And, you know, a lot of you guys like, I don't like this guy very much. Well, I don't like that guy that I was either. Like, we would seriously pick on people that were coming out of church. Go, oh, you Bible thumper, you Jesus freak. Did you sing your little songs today? How's Jesus today? Ha, 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 ha. You know, we're slapping each other on the back and, and walking off. And most of the time, Christians would come up to us, and they were like, Me, leave us alone, leave me alone. And they would walk away and that kind of thing, right? Except one guy. And I can't wait to meet him in heaven. I wish I'd got his name. But he didn't stand up to us like, man, you better get out of my face. He said, yeah. I love Jesus, man. You ought to join me in church one morning. We're like, dude, what did he just say? We, didn't, we were stunned, right? Like somebody actually was proud of Jesus. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Like somebody was like, yeah, man, I, I, you ought to come with me. Like I love Jesus, man. Jesus is, the, is, is awesome. You ought to come. We're, we're like, dude, we just walked away. We're like stunned, uh, like talking to each other. Man, you believe that guy? I can't believe that dude, man. That, and so it was how I was raised. And then... I met a lady named Judy, who's right here, my smoking hot wife, right? And I met her when I transferred to a new school in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I'm from is Georgia. I was able to meet Judy, and she kind of straightened me out a little bit, but neither one of us knew Jesus when we met. So we did all the things that everybody else did, lived together, slept together, all that kind of stuff, right? And, and so we, our testimony is not one that comes from being a Christian from the time that we're a fetus. We, we did all the wrong things and all the jacked up things and even made fun of the people that did the right things, right? But God, amen, but God. See, we got married, and, I, and this is my mother-in-law. I call her Grammy. Everybody say, hey, Grammy. Hey, Grammy. She's awesome too. But God, we got married, we got, got, got a job right out of college, we moved to Florida and found out we were, we were pregnant with our first child, Morgan, who is now 25 years old and a worship leader, I mean, but God, right? And her husband's a great worship leader, but God. And so she is now, she's been married a little bit over a year, so we're empty nesters now, that kind of thing, but when she was six months old, she was a horrible kid, 
Right? Terrible, man. She's sick all the time, puking all the time. I'll never forget one time about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting there. I got my glasses on. I'm feeding. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I see this projectile vomit come out. And I'm like, whoo. Like, I had my robe on, right? I'm like, whoa. And I look around. No vomit. I said, man, I must have been, I must have dreamt it. Went to get up. It was in my sleeve. Ah, disgusting, right? One soon after that, my wife said, I think we need to go to church. I looked at her, I said, what, why? That's just, where'd that come from? She said, well, I think we need to bring Morgan up in the church. I was like, well, why? We didn't grow up in the church. She says, I know, but I think we need to. The way she was able to convince me to go to church was that they, she said that they will watch our kid for us. I love Kid City, baby. Who, who volunteers at Kid City? Come on. Hey, ray, raise the roof, man. Right, rock and roll, man. Seriously. Kid City is awesome. Because it is, like, she literally convinced me. And I, and I even asked her, how much do they charge? She's like, nothing. I think under her breath, she's like, you moron. But, yeah, but she didn't. She was cool. She was like, nothing. She bit her lip. <laughs> and, she's, you know, and so we went, started going to church for that reason. I needed a break from my kid. We didn't have a church. We didn't have family around. We were all by ourselves in Florida in a foreign place that we didn't know. Anybody ever felt like that? Just kind of homeless and homesick a little bit? And so God got hold of us starting in the early 90s. And so uh, it was a gradual process, and it was a gradual process, and it was a gradual process. I got dunked a couple of times, you know, or baptized a couple of times. We baptized by immersion where I'm at, and so somebody told me, this is how you do it. And at that point, I started feeling the tug of Jesus. Like, I started, so, okay, I got to start following. But about, oh, gosh, early 2000s, I started going through this, this, this doubt cycle. I started going, hey, wait a second. Now, I don't know if this is right, because a lot of people will say things like, Jesus is not real, the Bible is full of errors, all these different things, all these inconsistencies in the Bible, you can't really trust it, you know, it's been translated over centuries and copied and copied, you know what happens when you get a copy of a copy of a copy, it just sort of loses its value over time, and so I started going down a, 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 about a two-year, what I call a cocoon process, where I, I got into this cocoon, and I started studying not what the Bible people believe, not what Christians believe, or Muslims believe, or Hindus believe, or Buddhists believe, because I did not care what they believe. What I was trying to find was evidence of God in anything. And after two years of thorough investigation and study, I looked at the scriptures and I saw mountains of evidence that, that Jesus is not just real, a real person, but that he was God in the flesh that came in the form of a man. And fulfilled hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament that came true in the New Testament. Do you realize how impossible that is? And it dropped me to my knees. And if that wasn't enough, he rose from the flipping dead. Amen? Come on, church. Rose from the dead. That is ridiculous. Who does that? But Jesus. But God. And so I started teaching Sunday school. And after I found this is all legit and all real, I started, I said, man, I got to go tell everybody. And I didn't care if it was somebody on the street, somebody didn't know, man, did you know Jesus? You know, I was just, I didn't care. Like he's bigger than me. He's the, he's my Lord. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And I'm still getting to know him a little bit more. As a matter of fact, on Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, 
I was going through Revelation 3, <laughs> knowing that, that Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything, I started realizing that there is something missing in my relationship with Jesus. And God laid it on me, says, dude, you got a problem with Jesus. And it ain't, my, it ain't Jesus' problem, it's my problem, right? And in Revelation 3, he says something so crazy and so profound and so amazing. He's judging the churches, right? And by the way, you know we're going to get judged for what, I mean, Jesus is going to give an account as the church. And at the end times, he looked at a church specifically called Laodicea. And he said something crazy. He said, you think you're, you think you're all that. You think you got all what you need, but you are poor, blind, and naked. And because you are neither hot nor cold, you will not make a decision for me or against me. Because you are lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Sounds disgusting, right, when we start talking about eating. And the, the, the temptation as a teacher is to go down this road. Are you going to be chunks in his vomit, right? But I won't say that because I'm a guest here. But he said it. And he said this all-powerful, all-knowing, all thing, like, like judging everybody, everything. Like he is the master. He's the alpha, the omega, the creator of absolutely everything we see. And then he says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. But then he says something crazy. And as I'm teaching, I'm going, whoa. He says, however, in other words, but God, however, I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone who opens this door, I will come in and eat. Eat with me? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's my problem. That's my problem. That's the problem I got with Jesus. That's the issue that I have, is that he knows that I'm a knucklehead, and he knows that you're a knucklehead. Turn to your neighbor say you're a knucklehead. Don't fight. <laughs> knucklehead. He knows that I'm a knucklehead. He knows what I've done. He knows his people that I picked on in college. He knows the evil thoughts that I naturally have that I'm battling all the time. He knows the, temp, the temper tantrum I throw, that, I, that I throw when somebody cuts me off in traffic. He knows. And yet, even after, after exhibiting all of his power, he says, I will come in and not give you a 10-point presentation on how to be a missional community. Not, you're going to account for all your sins. I want to sit with you face-to-face -face and have a cheeseburger with you. And Jesus, God said, that's your problem. You don't think he's willing to do that. See, I have no problem with Jesus being God. I've got no problem with him being Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, the name above all names, that every knee will bow to his name. I got no problem with that. He is my one-time Savior and my full-time Lord. He is the boss, oh me. But I had a problem, and I'm still struggling through some of that, that he likes me and wants to be with me. Whew. Wow. Anybody else have a trouble with that one? Like, ah, yeah, you're God, I got that. But you want to be with me? And then he says something even crazier. He says, anybody that does that, I will put them from where you are, and I will put you on, your, on the throne with me, as my Father in heaven has put me on his throne. And I said, come on, Jesus, that's enough, man. That's enough. See, what happens in, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus exhibiting his power, and then doing something very normal, very human, almost like, that's just what I do. 
Like he judges the churches and says, hey, I want to come eat with you. And then I want to put you on my throne with me. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, it's normal, supernatural, normal, powerful. And there's this rhythm that Jesus tends to have. And many times he is simply eating with people after doing something so miraculous and so powerful. And see, today we're going to look at the account of Jesus eating with the tax collectors. This is these guys were terrible people. So I know that some people know the, the history of tax collectors, but tax collectors were not IRS agents from the U.S. government. Like, they, like these are thugs that were issued by the Roman guards to go and, and like collect the taxes and then feel free to collect however many other taxes you want to collect and however you want to do it. If you need to rough some people up, these guys were hated. And yet Jesus sat with them, right? Over and over and over. This account <coughs> is in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and in Luke 5. So we're going to look at the Matthew 9 account. Now here's the deal. There are different details in all the different gospels of different accounts that are, that are going on. I don't know if you realize that, but a lot of people say that those things are contradictions in the scriptures. That, that if you have uh, the, the Bible has uh, a different detail in this Bible then in this, then in this gospel, then there's like contradictions. And people will accuse the Bible of not being legitimate and right and inconsistent and that kind of thing simply because there are different details in one gospel to another. But I'll tell you, this is actually a, something that helps to verify the gospels when there are complementary type of things, not contradictory type of things, because there's nothing contradictory in the Bible. Did you know that? Did you know that, church? I love answers when I... When I ask questions, did you know that? So here's the deal. See, I, I'll give you an example. My wife and I, about 15 years ago, was, were, we went to Los Angeles, and it was just kind of, a, kind of a, a freak thing. And when I tell people this story, they're like, I think I remember that. There was like a freak snowstorm that happened. And I'll, now, snowstorms in Los Angeles, if it ever happens, are like a dusting, and everybody freaks out, right? So we're going down, we're actually walking down the street, and we see this drive-by shooting. <laughs> Like the wildest thing, all of a sudden we're just like loving each other, pop, 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 where everybody hits the deck. And so the police come by and they, 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 they separate everybody. They go, okay, ma'am, they talk to Judy, said, ma'am, what did you see? And she says, well, it was a very bright colored car, um, had a vanity plate on the front. But the thing, the thing that was distracting me was there were these big swinging pink dice in the, in the front window. Like it was just obvious, it was weird. And all of a sudden I heard a pop, 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 and everybody just, whoa. And so they looked at me and they said, sir, what did you see? I said, well, it was definitely a cab. And when it came near, the license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mirror. Right? Sorry for lying in church. But the, the different details, but they were complimentary. Amen? And so they put an APB out for Will Smith immediately. And they were able to find him because in the snow they could track his fresh prints. So. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Matthew 9, starting in verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought, him to, uh, brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? That's a great question. Because he just looked at, see, only God forgives sins, right? So Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It's easy to say that, but it's harder to say, get up and walk, because then they're going to see some evidence, right? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. When the man got up and went home, the, the man went up and, and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. I bet they freaking were, right? And they praised God and that, who had given such authority to man. Jesus has all authority. That's what he says in the very end of this, of this uh, gospel. Like he says to uh, go, therefore, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. And Jimmy does this very thing with his people. I love him for it. But I want you to understand, man, one of the heartbeats that I have is for people to see Jesus for who he actually is, not the person that he, they have been taught he is. Everybody ever watch uh, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, they're sitting around the table and they're saying, oh, they're saying all kinds of different, I want the pray to the eight pound, six ounce, newborn, tiny infant Jesus. I want the Christmas Jesus. And they're like, no, he had a beard. And he's like, oh, I, want the, I don't like the grown up Jesus. I like the little Jesus. I think of the teenage Jesus or baby Jesus with the golden fleece diapers and those kinds of things. Remember the one guy says, I think of Jesus in a, tuxedo t-shirt he's like i'm kind of formal but i like to party right or i want to see jesus with big giant eagle wings singing lead lead singing for uh leonard skinner right that, but and, and some people like like appalled at that 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 very scene in the movie like i can't believe they're saying that about jesus but that's what we do amen well, we put jesus in this box that we want versus the box that jesus is in through the scriptures like, I will tell you, if you get to know Jesus of the Bible, you will love him. Like, he is awesome guy. A guy that was invited to the parties. Not the party pooper, the party planner, the partyer. Not the party and like, like, not lampshade on the head party, but man, somebody that genuinely showed up and had a good time with people that needed God and needed, needed Jesus. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable thing. He ate with people. People invited him. It's one of the, one of the craziest things about the, the story of the, the account of the water being turned into wine is that the, he and his disciples were invited to the wedding. See, Jesus, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. See, Jesus is not someone who stoops to our level. This is what, what uh, Jeff was talking about last week. He wants more from you, right? He's not someone who stoops to our level, but invites us up to his, no matter where we are. Guys, I'm telling you, when we do things the way Jesus does, people will love you, love the church, can't get enough of, of, of being here on Sunday morning. I promise you, it is amazing what happens when we do it Jesus' way? Too many times we go and we ought, I gotta go witness somebody. I gotta go say the right thing. So I'm gonna grab my Bible and take, talk to some unbeliever and say, hey, Deuteronomy says, right? Or go, yeah. But Jesus never did that with unbelievers. He just hung with them, showed them. And then when they said, I wanna follow you and know you, then he discipled them. Isn't that cool? It's cool with you. The pressure's not on us. I'm gonna 
finish up with this, Corey, if you want to come on up with your angel voice. Finish this out. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's quoting the Old Testament. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Guys, if I leave you with anything, thank you for putting up with me, number one. But if I leave you with anything, I want you to understand, when you open up your table and eat with others, your neighbors, right? How many of us just close our garage doors and never see our neighbors? I'll never forget, I live on a cul-de-sac. I actually live right down the road in Olathe. I live on a cul-de-sac. Little bitty front yard, bigger backyard. And back in the back corner, me and this other guy, we eat in the same corner. I said, hey, man, nice to meet you. How long have you been living here? 18 years. Me too. Wow. Me too. That's it. That's like, when did you, what, moved in the same month. 18 years ago to the same house we finally got to meet. Guys, reach out two neighbors, eat with them, greet with them, have a pizza with them. Because when we do that, as we're bringing kingdom like Jesus did, amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for Oldham Park Community Church welcoming me this morning. Thank you for folks like Bob, folks like Christina, folks like Preston, folks like Corey, obviously, and Dan and Jason that have greeted me this morning with open arms and just a wonderful, God, a wonderful spirit that comes from you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what we have done here to make a positive, amazing, incredible impact on our community. Father, we love you more than we can tell you. And as Corey leads us in song, may, Lord, may we reflect. Just open our hearts. Expose whatever is resistant to you. If we're like, I don't, like, don't want to invite people over to my house, Lord, may you expose that. I don't want to open up my table to anybody. May you expose that. I don't want to eat with sinners and, and yucky people. Man, you, may you expose that, God. And may we bring kingdom the way you did when you came. Father, it's in your son's awesome, beautiful, incredible, and amazing name. With enthusiasm, all God's people in the house said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.